portion of Scripture is singled out for having such a heavenly revelation of God and many uh, vivid prophecies about Jesus called the servant songs. And so the Lord led me to Isaiah 40 through 66 uh, earlier in the week. Last night I read up to chapter 58. And what comes after 58? 59. Good on you guys. 59. And so a few minutes ago, Joe asked me to preach the sermon. And I'm just picking up in my Bible reading. This, mess, this chapter preaches itself, folks. I want you to listen to the word of the Lord. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments and utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers to spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die, and when one is broken, an adder will hatch. Their cobwebs are useless for clothing. They cannot cover themselves with what they make. Their deeds are evil deeds. And acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet rush into sin. They are shift, uh, swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. No, so I'm not losing you in all this poetic language. What does this communicate? A people who are desperately sinful and as a result are desperately lost. This was true of Israel in the Old Testament. They were in covenant with God, the one true God, Yahweh. And they went after false idols, and as a result, their whole culture was plunged into depravity and ruin. And so we need to be clear, that was the audience of this passage. But doesn't it sound like Chicago in the year 2020? The Bible is perennially relevant. It's more relevant and up-to-date than the newspaper, amen? Paul talks about the condition of mankind in Romans 3, and he quotes from this chapter. This is everybody apart from Jesus Christ. And even if you're a moral and religious person, you are at best a miserable Pharisee. That's the best you could be without Jesus, as a miserable Pharisee. At worst, you are one of those who shed blood. You're wicked. This is the condition of Chicago. They point their finger at us. They say 3,000 a day die from COVID and you're responsible. How ironic. 3,000 a day die in abortion clinics, you hypocrites. You can't see the image of God on a sonogram. Fools. You do not know peace for a reason. You are the most drugged up 
uh, uh, generation for a reason. You are the most anxious generation for a reason. You are the most sexually broken generation for a reason. You have chased after your idols. And they gave you what you wanted. No wonder there's so much misery out there. They hate our joy. They hate our freedom. They hate our peace. But they can't take it away. Reading on. Verse 9. So justice is far from us. And righteousness does not reach out to us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall. Feeling our way like people without eyes. Blind. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Along the strong, we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. We moan mournfully like doves. We look for justice, but find none. And deliverance, but it is far away. Now describing the plight of God's people. Strangers in a strange land. Saints among sinners. The righteous in Babylon. We look for justice, but we can't find any. We look for righteousness. Where do you find it? Hollywood? The internet? Your friends? Your family? No one's talking about righteousness. You're not going to find anybody out there apart from a solid man of God or a woman of God that's going to tell you anything meaningful that you can build your life on. They're going to tell you nonsense. One of two philosophies. Find yourself. Believe in yourself. How many times have you let yourself down? It's all self-centered. And then the other side is indulge yourself. YOLO. I know that's outdated. Can you believe that? Drake is outdated. The Bible's current. I want you to say that. Just come on. Some people know those lyrics of these whack rappers and singers and these little pithy quotes that are meaningless. You share them on your timeline. You don't know anything about the word of God. There is a drought of the word of the Lord in the land. And you can't find it. And you can't find justice. Reading on. Verse 12. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities. Rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. By the way, how many Illinois governors have went to jail? Just thought I'd throw that in there. No, no trust, no integrity. Everybody, every person, every institution, every leader that you think you can trust has let you down in this season. Can you not see that? You trust in idols and they let you down. You trust in again, they let you down some more. You give them more, they take more. You suffer more and you keep coming back for more. And you wonder why everyone's so jacked up. You can't find integrity. You can't find justice. You can't find peace. 
Verse 15, truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. Whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The person who doesn't like evil becomes the bad guy, becomes the victim. And by the way, our protesters, they don't play fair. Jesus said, love your neighbor and your enemy. Bless those who curse you, but because they consider us enemies, they feel justified to mock, to slander, to invade our pastor's privacy, to make up lies and conspiracies. God, have mercy. You you people who say you're so loving are the most hateful people, the most bitter. I have seen so much bitterness and hatred. This thing has brought out the worst in us, but I won't let it bring out the worst in me. I will let it bring out Jesus in me. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. Verse 16. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled and that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him. And his own righteousness sustained him. I believe, first of all, this is prophetic about Jesus. Because Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins, raising from the dead for our salvation, that is all God. God the Father sends God the Son, right? To die for our sins in our place. He goes back to God the Father. They send God the Holy Spirit to come and indwell His people. From beginning to end, salvation is of the Lord. He saw that people could never save themselves, pull themselves up by their own bootstrap. 3,000 years of human history, and if we have another 3,000, we'll just see more nuclear bombs. We'll see more euthanasia. We'll see more eugenics. We'll see more perversion. We'll see new ways of corruption. Are you kidding me? Man apart from Christ is a monster. But only God can change our wicked hearts. So he determined to do it. He would step in. Verse 17. He put on righteousness as his breastplate. And the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance. And wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Obviously this is metaphorical imagery. God donning himself in armor as a man of war going into battle against his enemies. Do you know God has enemies? Why else would he, as it says, put on garments of vengeance? Who is he taking vengeance upon? You see, with the Lord's salvation comes condemnation. When the Lord saves his people, he condemns the wicked. You see it every time in the Bible. He delivers Israel. He judges Pharaoh. He delivers Esther. He judges Haman. You'll see it again and again and again and again. With God's salvation for his people comes the condemnation of the wicked. You better believe it. There's a flood coming. You better get in the ark. Verse 18. According to what they have done, so will he repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. By the way, America is not in the Bible. We're the islands. That's us. 
From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion. That's something I noticed in my reading of Isaiah. He calls himself Redeemer. I don't know how many times, I haven't looked it up, but like dozens of times. Redeemer, Redeemer, Redeemer. One who buys us out of slavery. One who purchases us for a ransom. One who delivers us from peril. Our Redeemer will come to Zion. And those in Jacob will repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips and on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Stand up and take a praise break. Stand up and speak in your heavenly language. I would to God that His Spirit be poured out on every one of you in this room if you want a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost. If you want to be among those who see God deliver, raise up your hands. Say, God, I want everything you have for me. Fathers, give bread to their children who ask. And you give the Holy Spirit to your children who ask. I would to God that I be filled and my children and their children. Pray a generational prayer today. Pray a big prayer today. That your children and grandchildren that people around the world will be touched by the Holy Ghost in you. Receive the gift of God. Receive His blessing. Receive His Spirit. Be baptized. For any armchair theologians there who may be watching online want to criticize my exegesis that I didn't give three points in application, we just read the Bible. We love you. We love you. We love Jesus. We want God to rule in this world. Amen? We're tired of hell on earth. We're tired of the first half of that chapter where there's no justice, no peace, no integrity, no love. I want heaven on earth, folks. Every head bowed and eyes closed, we're going to prepare to dismiss. And we're going to go row by row. The ushers will guide you out. It's just how we have to do things to honor social distancing, to show that we are reasonable.
Amen. Thank you, God. Though there is much sin in the land, you have promised to bring about deliverance. Even though Chicago will never get it right out of its own, Lord, I know you will make things right. I know you yourself will come down like a warrior. And I know we're going to ride with you. Lord, I know you will give us the victory. That's been our song this, this whole morning. You give us the victory. You are victorious. Lord, let us leave this place with joy, with confidence. Let our countenance show the glory of the Lord everywhere we go, even through a mask. Let it bring hope and light to everyone we meet. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. We're going to dismiss row by row. If you could follow the guidance, so it's going to be first row here, second, third. Just follow the guidance of Pastor Birdo.